Hello everyone, in private practice, maybe you're in public practice. I've said the name already, that's a little hint. We'll go live in 30 seconds. Is everyone having a pret sandwich? Ham hock, what's on today? This is a CPD, right? You can put it as your RMA points. We're gonna learn a lot. Okay, I better get professional. 10 seconds. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me on this special lunchtime slot. I am thrilled because it's always easier when there's people on stage with me. And I'll be up front. It's going to be an exciting one because these lovely talented individuals who are currently working in the public sector and have maybe come from a more private traditional architecture or urban design route are here to share all of their insights of being involved in public practice now some of them may not have met each other some of them had not met me but they joined me on the stage and we'll all learn a little bit together about that transition from private practice to public practice. So without further ado, I have these amazing guests on the stage. So I'm going to try and do it virtually around here. But I have here the fantastic Matt Ruddy, who's at GLA. How are you today, Matt? You all right? I'm, I'm very good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Brilliant. Matt, I'll tell you what, in a second, we, you can maybe introduce yourself a little bit more. But before that, I'm just going to go down. Down this side, I've got the fantastic Francis Moss. At Ealing Council, how are you, Francis? You all right? Yeah, really good. You good persevering with all me, my yeah. technical and lack of briefs and everything, but thank you so much from tuning in from Ealing Council. Thank you. And last, definitely not least, a fellow Welsh counterpart from South Wales, and I'm gonna hopefully not butcher your name, Gwynale. Gwynale? Gwynale Gerard. Yeah, I'm I almost did it. It's the Swansea in me. I was terrible in Welsh. My teacher used to get me into trial to say, Stephen's table, why are you talking? But I promise I will be quiet and listen for this. But thank you so much joining us from LLDC. I pre appreciate it. No so, yeah, we're all in the stage. We'll all <laughs> learn about each other. But the kind of the loose thread here is that you've all been involved in public practice. Now, maybe, Matt, you can do a double whammy, and if that's cool. You could tell us a little bit about yourself and then a little bit about how you got involved in public practice and then what you do at GLA, if that's all right. Yeah, sure thing. So I'm Matt Ruddy, and I'm currently a principal project officer at the GLA Regeneration team. And so a bit about my background is I, from Newcastle, studied in Newcastle for my part one and part two, did, a, did my year out kind of sandwich in between those two, and then came to London in... 2014 started working at a, a practice called Hawkins Brown who do lots of good oh, work cool. and focusing a lot on kind of housing stuff and then yeah qualified while I was there I was there for about six years and then in 2020 it was a quiet year for a lot of people but not for me I was just like let's have a little bit of a change and we're gonna hop into the GLA and so in May 2020 I joined the GLA regeneration team in the Good Growth by Design program 
which is the mayor's program for kind of quality and inclusion in all the built environment. And it's a program that supports all the GLA and TFL kind of different bodies and teams. And in that kind of role, I was supporting the London review panel, which is the mayor's review panel service. And that is populated by the mayor's design advocates. So at the time that was 52 of kind of some of London's best and brightest urbanists, architects, or also work on there was supporting public practice through the play shaping capacity survey. So that's a biannual kind of survey for all the 33 plus two development corporations of which LRDC is here today, all of their play shaping teams, that's planning architects and just get a sense of what capacity are in those boroughs in needing to or build up those capacities to de deliver on the kind of priorities for the communities that they serve. Yeah. So I think that's, I don't know if you need any bit more detail on me. That's very right cool. Now. And thank, cool. yeah, thank you. And Hawkins Brown, really cool company. And also really interesting what you've done at GLA. And so maybe we can jump into that a little bit later, but very cool intro. Now, Francis, what was your journey all the way to Ealing, Ealing Council? And tell me a little bit about your background, if that's cool. Yeah, I'm actually part Swiss, part British, but I grew up in Canada and I did, that's why I did my architecture studies and I went to work in Switzerland, get some really hands-on practical architecture experience. Lots of really great small practices there, a lot of really well-designed architecture. And I came to London to work for David Chipperfield, who's oh. you know, a big hotshot, but to be honest yeah. with you, I'm sure some of your listeners who might work for hotshot architects might also have had the experience that working for them is not is not always everything it's toted up to be or they're really interesting mm. projects so i moved on from that i actually did a master's in city design and social science at the lsc cities which is really good to i guess see cities from a bit more of a, a different point of view more a social angle really and that, and I didn't go back to architecture after that. I actually went off and did all sorts of different works around cities and something you couldn't really put a name to really you call it urbanism, urbanist, urban design, planning, yeah. a bit of all of those things really did, did some mapping of old Oakham Park Royal area. We actually did a massive census for the GLA of all the almost 2000 businesses in that industrial area of London, where now there's the, a development corporation and lots of things happening. And, but got, I did some consultancy work, working with some consultancies in regeneration, more on that side for often for local authorities, but got a bit tired i think mainly of also jumping around from project to project and place to place and not really knowing what sort of happened with all my strategic sort of work and things that i'd set up and i also applied to public practice and that was then during the lockdown and never would have actually thought of going to ealing but was matched up with ealing and now extremely happy in ealing because i've uh, also come back to one of the one of the more interesting themes that I worked in in the past and that's industrial space in cities which is often very much overlooked but becoming more and more important actually yeah mm -hmm. so that's it in a nutshell really brilliant uh, yeah I appreciate you sharing that and because sometimes even when I was a part one 
And sometimes necessarily going into the industry was a little bit different than I anticipated. And mm. like you said, different companies might not be suited for everyone. Some people love maybe the more, excuse me, but I've had a phone coming off. I need to turn my phone off for the live stream. But you sign up for a practice and the experience is different than maybe you anticipated before. Or maybe it's quite interesting that you've done that switch over. And maybe we'll return to that in a little bit in more detail. But I'm interested in, in, in my fellow Welsh brethren and why you perhaps wanted to escape. I wanted to escape Swansea, even though I like going back home to there for different reasons. And I came to London to study architecture. But maybe can you tell me your journey and how we've gone all the way from South Wales to the LDC? I would love to know. Yeah, I grew up in a very small village in Southwest Wales. So to be honest, I couldn't get out of there fast enough. And <laughs> London was the most different that I could think of that at that point in Britain, at yeah. least. So yeah, I'm grew up in, in Wales, but I'm also half French. And after I studied in oh, London, wow. my undergrad, I then ran off to Paris where I did my year out and that's I guess probably really where my interest in social housing really grew because I felt at the time they were just doing a lot better than what what was happening in Britain this is about 2008 2009 yeah before the sort of housing design standards even came out in London so yeah then I came back to London because unfortunately being an intern in Paris doesn't really pay or mm. pays minimally so I finished my studies and actually ended up working in Populous for a couple of years doing stadiums. Oh, okay. Um, which was, it was interesting at first, but it wasn't really where my passion was. I really wanted to work in housing. So I eventually managed to get a job at Cullinan Studio and after that also at Metropolitan Workshop. So in, yeah, we'll maybe come to it in more detail but there's been various points in my life where I've wondered do I really want to be an architect so I yeah. then also ran away to the Netherlands to do ceramics for a while came back got an architecture job and then a friend basically sent me a Guardian article about public practice I thought that sounds like the job I didn't know I really wanted so I went for it and was part of the sort of experimental first cohort of public practice oh. yeah and I was placed at the London Legacy Development Corporation some people know what that is but I do spend a lot of time trying to explain to people what LDC is so it's the it's the kind of mayoral corporation that was set up to deliver on the Olympic legacy it's a pretty broad remit that included delivering the Queen Elizabeth Olympic Park, which is now open and has been for a long time, but also delivering 5,000 homes on our own land, which is all the sort of residual Olympic land. And other parts of DC do look after the venues like the London Aquatic Centre. So yeah, LLDC also has planning powers over this particular area. So my first role at LDC was in two parts. It was partly providing design advice as yeah. a design officer for the planning authority. So as well as the 5,000 homes that, that we're delivering on our own land, there's, don't quote me on this, but 20, 30,000 homes that are also being delivered in the area. Yeah. Some pretty major projects like a new UCL campus, 
Victorian Albert Museum is unsaddled as well as our opening outposts here. So there's quite a lot going on in terms of regeneration of the area. So I had part of my role was was providing design advice on those projects. And yeah. the other part was as a design manager for the delivery of our own neighborhoods. Yeah. yeah. And my roles kind of shifted. So now I pretty much work for the development directorate, which is the focus on our own assets and our own neighborhoods. Mm, very cool. My goodness, all different parts of London. I think Stratford's quite a nice part of town to live in at the moment. I went down there and now I live in Lewisham, so I'm broadcasting from Lewisham. So if the internet goes down, it's because Lewisham needs faster internet. But I'm here so far. I really like Stratford. Now you touched upon this. It's quite interesting saying the roles change. And Francis, you talked a bit about earlier, like you never in a million years imagine that you would be going to Ealing Council. Can you like fit and, and open to anyone here if you want to jump in? What was it like then that initial part of the transitions? Okay, you signed up with public practice. You've known the populaces of the world. We've been doing the fancy clean David Chipperfield buildings, as you're saying. What's the initial bit like going to a public office? Is it a cultural shock? Was it quite inclusive? Was it different? Does anyone have any thoughts they'd like to jump in on that, to share their experience of that initial jump into the public sector? I've got plenty of thoughts. <laughs> I'd never worked in a corporate office before, and LDC at the time was on the 10th floor of a glass building on top of Westfield Stratford, and I found that yeah. incredibly alienating. So that was a bit of a shock to the system. Like at Cullinan Studio yeah. and Metropolitan Workshop, they're in these old warehouse buildings on the canal or kind of in the in right in the middle of Clark and so that was quite different yeah being in Stratford where there's a lot more going on now but again like having been used to being in the center of town drinks after work really easy Friday drinks don't necessarily exist that much in the public sector that was another bit of a shock yeah does any of you guys want to? <laughs> That's interesting. So that was the LD experience. Francis, what was it like joining Ealing Council at first? I think what's, I guess, coming into that point about coming into sort of a big office space, because councils are really big entities, but it's actually made up of lots of different teams doing very different things. I had a very strange experience obviously because I started during the lockdown so I was actually working at home uh -huh. which I think brought also some interesting new ways of working opportunities in the sense that you start somewhere in an office you just be surrounded by lots of people and you don't know who's who but yeah. These days with Microsoft Teams and all of that, you can just go look up people, yeah. see how they fit, who their boss is, who's working for them. And uh, yeah, just go, just call up people. Surprising. They're always, they're always quite shocked when you just call them out of the blue at first. But it's a good opportunity because you wouldn't do that in an office. Just go and interrupt someone at their desk that you don't know or who's higher up in the organization or things are from completely different teams. So that, that was interesting. But now people are back in the office. It's a bit half-hearted back in the office. And I think that two different things it has a lot of different, has lots of advantages, more flexibility, especially if you've got kids, things like that. But also 
Yeah, it means it means you still you've got a bit of both sides. But I think especially yeah. for younger people starting in the office, obviously it I think often it feels like they're you'd want to be in a place that's a bit more buzzing and things. Mm. And I'd say from that point of view, it's just important, I guess, to get a bit of a sense of what your actual team is. Yeah. And interestingly, my area regeneration team in Elin Council was pretty new, has grown since then. In the, I then proceeded to hire someone else from public practice the year after that okay. I had started. So our team has grown and we're a few people from public practice and I just had a comment today from someone from a, a, a developer who's saying, yeah, it looks, your team seems pretty active and things because I guess often the outside view of a council is you don't really see who's doing what and where the activity is happening. So I think just like the team is really important and just seeing where you land, whether you look to get into or interested in going to a public a local authority or a public body um, yeah. through public practice, which is a great way of getting in with some different skill sets, but also there's other opportunities to apply for jobs as well. That It sounds now that you burning to say something. Is that correct? Or am I reading in the room right? No, or? you are reading the room. Yeah, I guess... That shocked the system and that, that's what public practice is really good for because you can arrive and be a bit surprised at how different everything is from the private sector and being able to go and meet up with 15 other people every other Friday and just all share that experience with each other just makes it so much easier and I think it's, yeah. The cohorts are bigger now, Gunnell. Yeah, okay. It's more it was like 30, 40 people. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I guess it's a bit different now than when I started. I did it before COVID and there were only 17 of us. So I don't know. Yeah, maybe you guys can give your perspective. But it's, I do think it saved me from that. Everything's so different. Everyone's so different. Everything's mm. done so differently. And then, yeah, to just go and vent. It's like a soft landing into the public sector, I'd say. Yeah, nice. I tell you what, I'll bring up the links now. And Matt, if you feel free, do you want to add anything or share your thoughts when yeah. you got to the GLA as well? No, I think I agree with Francis and Gwinnell's kind of perspective on there is a culture shock on scale and way things operate. I think what was really helpful is through public practice is that because in architecture, you've got very clearly defined expectations of where you could apply to jobs within that sector, that you're a part one, a part two, a part three, an architect with housing or education or you do delivery or you do planning and it's all quite compartmentalized which is I think a lot of architects including I know I do really found that quite it was quite a clear trajectory into that I think we, a lot of people went into it with an idea of what architecture was going to be for them and so when you've got a seven-year plan ahead of you you can relax gently on the kind of periphery of your mind and go I know the end goal in seven plus years and that I, I'll build up my kind of like sense of what architecture is through those seven years then when you get to the end of the seven years and you're qualified, you're like, and now what? So, and then what's the next step? And is it sideways? Is it just something else? Or is it developing larger or targeting awards? And I think at that point, yeah, it was a really good opportunity for me. And I know a lot of my kind of contemporaries and friends from architecture, when they qualified, they've been working for a few years, they take a step back and go, and why did I go into architecture? What did I want to do out of this? And for me, it was always like, 
a, a strong kind of social agenda focus on all of my academic projects. And when you're working in kind of isolation, you can really explore what the built environment can do to address kind of certain issues around pension time bomb or around kind of itinerant housing, you, you've got that complete agency. And when you move into professional setting with there's obviously absolutely kind of commercial interest in practice that those have to take a, maybe a slight kind of, they'd have to sit on the side a little bit when you, you get given projects that you have to deliver on. And then I think the, so the culture shock was real. And I think yeah. when you're working from coming from an environment where you are delivering on outputs and number of drawings, or there's a certain number of like deliverables on your Friday data drop or your Revit model, or you're, you're building up like this kind of head of steam of, I know how to deliver and I deliver well. And then mm. you go into the public sector and it is, you can't do that. It's not in isolation that you can work and architects don't work in isolation, but you do work to delivering on outputs. Whereas in the public sector, it is a much more, dis you've got to bring everyone on board with you. You're working at a strategic upstream level, helping to shape briefs that will roll downhill and turn into the projects that you would have been working on in practice. And that was really exciting, but a culture shock because I'm mm. in the first few weeks, I'm like, I'm not producing anything. I'm not, I'm not, where's the reports? Where's the drawings? Where's all of the things that I'm used to like stacking up and going, that's what I've achieved this week in yeah. the public sector. It was about those connections, those community, the, the stakeholder groups that you bring on board, especially the Greater London Authority, which is again, it's a strategic authority. So like, we do, we're even slightly further away from maybe some of the, the borough, borough kind of work. So Francis and Goodall, you're actually working on, you'll be looking at sites and developing those, maybe at Greater London Authority. You're, looking even above that, looking at priorities and geographical areas are spread quite dispersely. And just before I forget, there was another one, just the benefits of public practice in that, and going back to my previous point, as architects, we can know and we can pigeonhole ourselves into where in the built environment sector we sit. So you know what skills you're on, what kind of jobs you could apply to in the private sector. There's a kind of an opacity about like public sector jobs. And I think that's because they get filtered through the organizational machine, including HR departments, which are very helpful, but sometimes they become very generic and very like abstract kind of and descriptions of what you're expected to be doing. I would not have felt comfortable applying directly to a role in a local authority or public sector position. However, coming through public practice, I was matched with that role. So I was like, if you think that this is the role for me and you've got the confidence that there's the right seniority and I've got the right kind of level of skills to deliver in this role, I'm on board. I trust public practice. I trust the GLA for matching with me. So that was a great crutch to go into the public sector. And then, yeah, again, just on Gwenaar's point, having, I think my cohort was 30 people meeting every couple of weeks just to kind of go, what's everyone been doing? What challenges have you all come across? We've all got the same stuff, but we've all got the same ambition and energy. And let's ask the stupid questions amongst us and we'll go back into our, into our authorities. And I'll see you in two weeks time to talk about that again. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think that was that that really did soften the entry point to try and have the confidence to start in that role, and also while yeah. you're in there for the first few months. Yeah. Also, yeah. the thinking about the applying for roles in the public sector, pub, the public practice interview process is pretty grueling, but compared with an LDC interview, it's actually <laughs> public sector interviews are a, a different beast from private sector interviews. In the private sector, you just go for a chat with just go for a chat with someone, show them your lovely portfolio, and it's all quite informal. Whereas in the public sector, certainly LDC, and from my understanding, the GLE, there's a it's almost like exam. It's a bit like doing your part three exam questions, but on a right. different theme. It's whereas public practice is does slightly ease you into that 
with their process, even though even that feels quite alien from what you're used to. I'd yeah, that's the first time I'd ever come across a star approach. Yeah, star, yeah. I don't know what a star is, but maybe what would be a nice thing that we can talk about for anyone that's not familiar when we're talking about public practice. Now, this isn't a sponsored segue because this is not sponsored. I actually really what public practice does. And it, like we've all talked about the stories here is helping people who are interested in the public sector get into the public sector like you're talking about now. And I used to be in architecture. I wasn't sure I wanted to be an architect. And I found my way. I fell through the system. I landed in recruitment, which is maybe I should have gone to the public sector. It wasn't public practice at the time. But I think it's a really useful resource. And you can check out the website. I did bring it up earlier. And you can have a little look at it. So not sponsored. It's a good resource. Although I will say Autodesk, if you are out there, I am very open to being sponsored, especially that Autodesk money. But public practice is a really cool website and I'm very pleased that it's here. Now it sounds like to me, someone that hasn't done it from what you're talking about then. So you apply to public practice. You, you basically say, listen, I'm an architect or an urban designer. I'm really interested in doing something different. I don't really want to work in the private sector or I'm exploring the idea to the public sector. And then they help you through the process. Is that about right then guys? Yeah, so the way it works at the moment is that you, I'm assuming it's probably worked similarly all the way through, but you'd, there's an online, I think the deadline's on the 30th of the month, is it, this month, for this cohort. So every Ooh. twice a year, twice a year, there's an, a wind, an application window. So you can go on and apply. They take all the, uh, there's some standard questions that you answer, and there's a bit of advice about how to answer them. And a group, I think, probably about 100 or so, I think, are selected through that out of everyone that applies. It's probably different now because now it's countrywide, the latest cohort. But And then at the same time, public bodies are applying on their side with roles that they have to be matched right. up with people. So... All of that's currently happening. All of those roles and the people are applying. And then once they're all in, people are selected. They go to a one day sort of workshop session. It was online when I did it. I'm not sure they might be doing it in person again now. And then I was actually then the, like a year later on the other side of that process as well, selecting people. So it, it's quite, yeah, I mean, it's a well-planned out process where you're there. I think in the morning, everyone has to present something. And then in the afternoon, there's interviews. And there's also like a group exercise where you put together with some other people. And all of that's explained and you can prepare and everything. It The end goal is for them to be able to evaluate, would you fit with some particular roles? that they it is it can be a bit disheartening i think if you want to go through that and then you don't get matched up with the role i think that is it doesn't mean but... that you weren't actually good necessarily that's the thing i had a friend mm. who went through he's a yeah he went through and they said we just couldn't find the right role yeah. for you it wasn't that we you didn't do well mm. so that's a bit 
tricky. So I applied in one round and then was actually given a role in the round afterwards, matched up with a role. So that can happen as well. But also I think it's even if you don't get matched up, but you're really interested and want to get in at that point, then there's also, and I'm sure public practice can also point the way there's lots of jobs that come up in different places. It's just a matter of finding them in the right place. And I think someone was mentioning before job descriptions. I think sometimes you've got to take them with a bit of a pinch of salt. Actually, Mm. the best I found is always try and talk to the person who's, who's put out the role and hear it from them. But you do have to, similar to the public practice process, but more so if you're applying directly to local authority, you do have to just address the points that they've put out so that they can give you, they can mark you against those because it's all about little marking matrix, matrixes, as unexciting as that sounds. And it is unexciting to do, but (laughs) uh, that's the way it goes. But I think that's the real advantage with public practice, really, is that like me going to Ealing and other people, it's about bringing, and I guess that's the whole goal of it, is bringing in those more design skills into local authorities that are really lacking. I think it's also about, I don't know what your experience has been, Gunnar, on Matt, but like, it's an opportunity to go in as well and see what you can bring. And I think that's often people who bring in people from public practice, put roles out through public practice, are looking for people to bring something different that they don't already have in those mm-hmm. organizations. But it can be challenging, I guess, at the beginning when you do come in. Yeah. yeah, well, carry on, Matt. Yeah, share your thoughts on that. I'd love to know what you think about what skills architects and urban designers can add in to bring into the Segway local to government. That. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I think I'm on a slight time delay to everyone else, but I'm not cutting everyone off, am I? Yeah, I would agree with Francis's point in that it, it is a real fantastic opportunity for local authorities as well to get a lot of, of this kind of quite driven, energetic, private practice experience and I know that in the regeneration team that is incredibly valued it's the ability to deliver an ability to deliver a place-based approach that works with communities for communities I know I think just back on the kind of on the the process of it just briefly on on star that was setting out the situation the task the action you took the response and would they actually run through that during the Francis mentioned, which was helpful to, oh, I've never come across this before. This is really formulaic and dry. I've got so much more I want to talk about that I've got that I just, I haven't been able to fit into that really rigid structure, but that structure is there because it has to be for the public sector too. They can be very comparative when they do applications like this. The other slight kind of challenge around when you're applying to public practices, you're not applying to a role. There's not one role that you've applied to. You're applying as a cohort and you will be potentially given the option of a role that might be in an area or something you completely haven't thought of yet. And that's one of the big Mm. benefits is that kind of like surprise, never thought about this place or that type of role or that job before. Amazing. But also it might not be right for you and you've gone through that journey. And it did happen for me when I applied that I was offered a role and it wasn't right for me. And so I was like, I'll get off the public practice bus now and I'm going to go back to to, to my work as an architect. And I was very fortunate that there was another opportunity for another placement that came up a week later. And I was like, yes, that sounds exactly the kind of the role I was after. 
and then just more broadly on, on kind of the skills that architects bring I think we are definitely over time we developed the diplomacy and this kind of the ability to draw together and synthesize so many different competing interests from commercial pressures to planning pressures and internal design pressures we, we try and synthesize that into an ability to deliver something and i think it's that spatial kind of way of that we work in diplomacy that is so helpful in the public sector environment you're working across and can be quite often siloed big departments that that really struggle to like align or communicate priorities but I think that a lot of the public practice architects that I've spoken to, they're able to just quite confidently parachute themselves across departments, cut through that and pull together and align to deliver for for the communities that they're working in. So yeah, that'd probably be the key skills, your diplomacy and your ability to bring everyone on board with you. Mm-hmm. I think because architecture, even though it's taught and probably the kind of people that architects are. It's not just designing buildings, is it? So much more. So you aren't like someone who's studied business development where it's very sort of one track mind. It, we've always had to be thinking about lots of different things. So I think that's that, that makes it quite easy for us to go in and understand different ways of working. I also think that anyone who's been a project architect basically has amazing project management skills. I'm in a design, like, so at LLDC, I'm in the design team, but we are part of the development directorate. And the way that we think is so different from our development colleagues, I have to say, we are a lot more organized. We are, we're better at project management. I think it's something that, yeah, anyone who's been a project architect is going to be good at. And problem solving, and it's just a different type of problem solving. And that's what architecture is. The other thing, I guess, because my team, maybe unlike Ealing, my team has had architects in it since 2012 or before 2012 even. It's one of the first sort of public sector bodies that really started growing a team, hiring architects and seeing the value in that. So it is a little bit different. I went into an established team, but there's still a value in bringing people in from fresh from the private sector because a lot of us in my team have now been in the public sector for for 5 10 15 years and there's something there's a freshness of getting someone who's yeah fresh from industry and kind of has been on the ground more recently than us mm. that that kind of really helps in our team no nice and that has been yeah i mean you were in the first cohort right and so there is actually really interesting that we have a group now like of public practice alumni from so many years now. And it is a great resource. Even the other people just in the previous cohort, that when you start in there, you're always going to find someone who's doing something similar somewhere else that you can share with, share briefs or share other things that you're doing it's just a really good network and so that i think that is like a real advantage there and i even built on that as part of my public practice project i'm not sure exactly what they do now but i set up a industrious london officer network which is Mm -hmm. now almost my own little public practice (laughs) network 
And we've got, I don't know if we have anyone from the LLDC actually, but we've no, got No, I the, don't know about it. Can you We've got the, we've got the GLA, just everyone who's dealing with industrial in different places who wants to share, meet up, do like site visits and things. So taking the public practice model almost to, to networking there as well. That's... We do have a couple of industrial projects. So yeah, maybe we need to have a chat after. There you go. On the networking side of things, if you finished, otherwise, I, yeah. Go for it. Jump on in there. So, yes, building a network of people that you can go to, but also, I hate networking. I've always hated networking. Even just the (laughs) word makes me feel a bit sick. But you do realize that, like, networking, the best kind of networking isn't, it's not an effort. It's just because you know people, and that's what's really good about public practice is that I can go to a GLA event and I know there's going to be five people there who I already know that I can go and have a chat with versus when I was in practice you're so in practice doing your jobs barely you might you speak to other architects but that's not it's I'd go to events and I'd basically hide and now I can confidently go to events and have a chat with people and yeah, I think that's super, that that was really helpful for me as someone who isn't good at just walking up to someone and introducing myself. It's very interesting. While we've been talking, we've had a lovely comment from Sophia Cooney, who says, very pleased to see the subject of this live as an intern at Urban Design and Learning and an architecture student, which does training for the local authorities. I definitely didn't know before joining UDL, that working for a local authority could be an option for me. Now, it's very interesting, isn't it? There might be a few people that are watching this by fluke. And thank you, Sophia, for sharing your thoughts and insight and your story. But there's maybe a few architectural assistants, architects, graduate urban designers, landscape architects, who knows what, who thought about the idea, but they're busy or they don't even know where to start, or they maybe they're not sure with their careers, because we've all kind of moved laterally one way or another, even including myself. Is there any tips or suggestions or thoughts for someone, maybe who's at the start of that journey that you would share that could be encouraging or useful information for them? Does anyone want to jump in on that point? Go on, I'll jump in. Go on. Yes, Um, nice one, Matt. I just like when you start looking at what's out there and because you've taken off the blinkers to like what's the next architectural step but there's actually there's a whole breadth of the built environment that you can support I'd just I'd ask yourself again why did you what is it that you wanted to do when you thought architecture was for you because that might help Mm. shape the direction of the types of places you'll be applying to and as Francis said before go speak to people in those roles speak to the public practice alumni network and i think it's all on the website that they're, they're the most like friendly people in the world you could contact any of them and they'll be more than happy to talk you through that kind of difference between their roles what they were doing and just find someone with the experience that looks similar to you that is doing the job that sounds amazing but you've really got no idea that it existed until you come across it i think that's actually a really helpful bit is just to flick through those those short bios on everyone and it covers such a wide gamut of different types of roles and you'd be like that's the role what's that called oh it's a some, something special officer something team i'll go and try and find some talk to them about it. and that'll explode that kind of world for you and also the things are called similar things across the public sector mean very different things so 
the delay regeneration team does a very job to a lot of local authority regeneration teams, which them are large scale housing regeneration team BLA. It's architecturalist acupuncture looking at how we can unlock community value in existing buildings on the high streets and things like that. So it's a bit more kind of ninja regeneration rather than big scale new housing regeneration. So Again, there's terminology that's used interchangeably and it doesn't mean the same thing. So definitely try and dig into what those things are. They should put that in job descriptions. Jobs. Ninja regeneration. <laughs> the regen team in LDC doesn't do physical regeneration. So it's not really for architects. Although bizarrely, our sustainability team sits within it and they touch on it. It's, yeah, it's very confusing. And I do think actually what Matt said about the, if you're, what kind of jobs are there in the public sector? Just reading the DC associates list and their job descriptions is really useful. One of my, the people I work with, he's where design managers, but he really wants to go into sustainability and was just like, I don't know what kind of sustainability jobs exist in the public sector. So we just had a look through and there's quite a few different sustainability jobs that have come through public practice. So that's a really good resource to try and figure out what it is that sounds interesting. Very useful. I think it's great that these resources are there. I always look back and there was a time when there wasn't public practice, isn't it? And it's like, how do you switch from one idea to the other? Could be, it's, it's like a very steep learning curve. And it, I'm glad that there's architects like yourself in the public sector because of this now. I have to say it though, I have a lot of respect for all the architects who made it over to the public sector before public practice. Because yes. I don't, how did they figure that out? My um, goodness. Like, yeah, they need to be given credit. I, it's yeah. true. Go on, Matt. Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to say, yeah. And also, just as it grows, public practice, it's definitely blurring the edges and like those silos between the private sector and the public sector and the roles. And so, when you had like maybe a friend in the planning, who is a planner and then a friend who is an architect and a friend who is working for kind of a developer there's the bad kind of adversarial tropes of oh slow planner doesn't want anything to happen or oh frivolous architect you just want to spend all your time doing very expensive detailing or oh greedy developer i think the this program has actually softened all of that the way that everyone is trying to do to produce something good in the built environment sector and by having every year another 40 50 60 80 people like jumping across that boundary i think it's just really healthy for the built environment sector as a whole yeah nice even nice. if you don't know that you want to work in the public sector to be like this is i didn't know necessarily when i went in and i just thought at least i'll have a year where i learn something else and it's just something to add to my cv and it is it is something extra to add to your CV. Even if you decide after that to go back to architecture, you've got this understanding of the planning and client-side world now, which you didn't before. Yeah, fair enough. And for any of our audio listeners who are listening back to this in the future or what have you, you can check out Public Practice at www.publicpractice.org.uk. But now I know that I've luckily got you for an hour and we're fast approaching that mark. And what I was going to say to the audience is that this would be last chance saloons if anyone did want to ask a quick question. I have to be a little bit quick 
as well. But obviously people can get in touch with you afterwards. Now, I normally like to say that was a one-on-one. I always like to throw it back to the guests and say, if there's any questions they would like to ask me, they can ask me and you can all still do that. But equally, like you said, it was a big cohort and maybe some of you are familiar with each other in public practice, but like we talked about earlier, Francis, with your industrial meta group within the group, maybe there's connections to be had there, but we could open it up and say, if there's any questions you have for me, or maybe Francis, you have a question for Matt or Gwinnell, you have a question for Francis and so on. Should we open the floor up for the next few minutes and any questions or thoughts? Go on, Francis, you smacked your lips. So yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, no, I was just also interested in Arc Social, what, what the setup is, because I hadn't heard of it previously when I was in architecture, but I haven't been in architecture in a while. Yeah, don't worry. It's it, that, the Arc Social was born in the pandemic as well. Cause I was furloughed and uh, for the first week I was drinking wine and stuff and I thought oh, I'll quickly kill myself if I keep doing this. So I better do something productive. And I set up the architecture social, but it's a bit of a mishmash. It's because it's a private company cause I own it. And it's interesting because there's a traditional recruitment model to it, but then I enjoy not doing that cause I've done it for 10 years all the time. I shouldn't say that cause I got a recruitment team now, but. I like podcasts and I like, oh, and there's all that information. So in the private sector, if you did architecture here, you're a part one. It's like, how do you get a job? It's like you jump off the deep end. I had no clue. And when I was graduating, it was the global recession. So it was Same like, what, how do I even get a job? And recruitment consultants, they're not geared up to look for part ones or anything. They're chasing that elusive BIM manager and all that stuff. So when you're a part one, you're trying to get all this information and you don't really get much time or, or people don't really talk about the reality. It's like, maybe you speak to a professor or a tutor and I had a tutor that would be like, yeah, what you want to do is print out loads of portfolios and go around London and hand deliver them. And I'm just thinking that is not how you get a job in 2023. Maybe you're the lucky one. It's cost of living crisis. We can't be printing loads of these portfolios. How do we do it? Is it okay to do an email with a CVM portfolio? How do you do that? Do we still do a covering letter anymore? Which is like controversial. Uh, I don't think covering letters are as important anymore, but people have a different opinion, right? And so that's hopefully what the social is trying to solve is that gap in between. Yeah, it's great. It sounds great to have a bit of a network. I guess also yeah. for York architects, especially young architects. And it just made me also think, I guess, of my experience with a, working for a star architect and probably others experience working in architecture as well, especially at the beginning of like probably being a bit too overworked and underpaid. Yeah. And I think that is another side of the public sector and why many people do go to the public sector because of that job being able to have more of a job balance and flexibility as well so i just thought i'd throw that one in there as well yeah it's true isn't it and also like you said when you're a part one or whatever you're applying and then you join a star architect practice maybe that isn't what you want to do or maybe you don't want to do your part three and like different companies public or private it's a totally different environment isn't it and i tend to think as well the other bit that no one talks about is that when you join an architecture practice, you get lumbered on a project in the office, which is in a random sector. And this, that's what you do now. If someone joins and they get put on a healthcare project, maybe they want to do something else. And 
So there's all these interesting things in our industry which happened but not really talked about, which I think is quite fun to unpack. Yeah, that's before. true. I yeah, I'm also a recession graduate, and it was incredibly hard to find a job, and you just took what you found and. Yeah, two years later, I was a stadium architect and I that was not by any purposeful plan. And it was quite a fight to get out of it because you were going to, I was going to Resi Architects to try and get a job. And they were saying, what experience have you got that's relevant? And yeah. trying to learn how to take what I had and turn it into the experience that they had when I was quite young and hadn't been taught how to do that was quite challenging. And I think the yeah. public sector is, pretty bad at that as well at actually knowing who they want <laughs> they write these job descriptions because they're the ones that were on the shelf yeah there's but a lot they, of no one actually thinks about who do we want what do we actually want them to bring to this and i guess mm. public that's why public practice is particularly useful i find because otherwise people will look at you and say oh but you can only do that design those things over there and they're not thinking actually that's gonna help them in some way they hadn't thought about yet. Very interesting. I do find that even in, in private companies as well, there'll be some buried job description somewhere that the office manager has in the system, which is remotely related to what the actual part two or architect does. And that's what gets advertised. And like you said, you know, how the job descriptions were even written puts me off half the time. We are looking for someone between five to 10 years experience with Revit and must have this, must have that. And I'm like, oh my God, by the end of it, I can't even be bothered to apply anymore. Whereas it's good that, like you say, through public practice, you can learn. And then there's like that. that I think um... what's... Oh, sorry. Go on. No, please what's jump in. changing at LDC is that we, on all of our recruitment now, we focus a lot more on lived experience and try to really ask ourselves like what qualifications do we and professional work do we really need my team is quite specific we do need designers i think we used to say qualified architects and now we question do you really need a qualified architect to do this or could someone with the experience like a part two who's had 10 years could do it just as well probably they could so that there is a different in the public sector the private sector i think is going to be a bit later to follow in this regard but trying to change the focus of what we're asking for and make it less demanding from a mm, yeah. yeah very cool i had one quick question that came in yeah and I've got before we wind down and you let everyone know where they can contact you which is aisha says can i also ask if public practice has any part-time opportunities for those wanting to try out different roles during their studies Maybe that's something that public practice hasn't done right yet. My understanding is that it's about moving from one full-time role to another full-time role. Is that right? They, you can take on part-time roles because I know people have done that. My understanding of it before, and I, this is five years ago now, is that it is more for, it's not really, I think it's for people who are already professionals to move into the yeah. public sector rather than it wouldn't be like a part one architectural assistant kind of thing. But I might be wrong and out of date with my information on that. That's fine. We can check out after. But I should do check out the website of public practice and you could probably reach out to the team there they can let you know whether it's something that you apply directly to the public sector right now or it's something that maybe you return to in the future but i must say we are fastly 
approaching the hour and I've had a really good time. Now, there might be one or two people in the audience that, oh, the replay, because we're in the modern world right now, that go, oh, I want to learn, ask something about GLA or Ealing or LDC. So how does everyone get in contact with you? Perhaps, Matt, you can let us know where people can find yourself. I'm not on, in, but other than yeah, my, my email, my work email, which I can share if anyone it wants to follow up with me. Happy to send that out. Brilliant. Thank you, Matt. And thank you for persevering with us when you go in through technical difficulties. However, we have managed to hear everything and it's we've got away with it. But this is the modern world, isn't it? Every, when someone's internet's going to drop out, but Matt, we heard everything. So I'm going to give you a round of applause. What an absolute gentleman. I really appreciate it. Now, Francis at Ealing Council, how do people get in touch with you if they want to, I don't know, say hello or whatever? Yeah, probably the easiest way is on LinkedIn. So that's just the best way. And also, I think if there's anything specific through public practice, um, sometimes they get in touch with me about people with very specific cool. questions and things. Brilliant. Francis, again, you know, a little round of course, appreciate what you're doing. And the Globetrotter in the bottom left, Grinnell, from Swansea, not Swansea, South Wales, not to Paris, Swansea. to stadiums, to the LDC, to different stadiums, changing the stadiums. Thank you so much for being here, and I really appreciate it. But where can people find you if they want to get in touch? LinkedIn is definitely going to be the easiest. And there's not a lot of Gwenael Jarrett's about, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know where people can find you. There's, exactly. there's only the one of me, so yeah. The one and only. But I really appreciate you all being here. And also, thank you to you and the audience who, if you tuned in, I really appreciate it. And everyone that's asked a question or dropped a comment, it's been really awesome. And you can check out this online. And if it's the replay, do get in touch with everyone else. And the last thing I'm going to mention before it's closed on the live stream, and I'll bring up the website really quickly again. Oh, that was just me. That's not very inclusive, isn't it? Let's press the wrong button. But here's the Public Practice website where you can find it at www.publicpractice.org.uk. Now, I'm going to end the live stream now. If my lovely guest can stay on the stage for just one second, that would be amazing. But I'm going to end the live stream now. Thank you in the audience. Have a lovely day and see you soon. But take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.